Welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Once again, I'm Les Lawson, your host, and I'm joined tonight, as normal, by partners in crime, Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. As we look back on our victory last night against West Ham United, we'll have a little bit of fun with uh, transfer speculation and then finish off by previewing the game against Tottenham on Sunday and then Pete's double agents. So we'll start off with a really good victory last night and I thought a decent performance away at uh, West Ham United after going a goal behind. So tonight I'll start with Tom and ask him, first of all, um, you know, we discussed on the preview show that we all expected a few changes and um, Jürgen went in with, with only one enforced change, really, with, with Dibu missing out and Joel Matip coming in. So, first of all, did the did that surprise you that there wasn't more changes? Um, and then what did you think sort of of the game as a whole? And, and, and then, lastly, how do you think Joel Matip played? It, it did surprise me to be honest, Les. I thought I thought he would have he would have mixed it up, you know, especially the midfield area. We were all talking about where who would be ready to build, play in the midfield, and who'd be ready for the rest. But when you looked when you looked at the at the lineup, he got it perfectly right, didn't he? And I, I think over, overall, I, I think the performance we started fast. In an away game, which is which is all I always think is a good thing. When Liverpool start fast, you always feel that they're up for the game, you know. And 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 they started really well. Again, you know, like I don't think you we could argue that we didn't press hard enough for for the goal for West Ham because you know, like Fabinho and Henderson didn't sort of of get close enough. But sometimes, sometimes the strike is just one of them things, and yeah, it was a it was a good finish. But what I liked was we come back right away. We, you know, like we we start, we carried on pressing, we carried on pushing. Thought so Trent was absolutely outstanding in the first half. He was. I thought probably the highlight for me was him just leaving Declan Rice all over the pitch. I thought his his quality. Was unbelievable. I thought the time and space, the awareness when he's got the ball, just everything about his performance, and also Curtis as well. I thought Curtis, it was fascinating listening to. It was fascinating listening to um, Klopp's interview after the match, where he talks about Curtis, and he said. He, he, he talked about his, you know, his pressing, his his ball retention, the way he. He, he gives us legs in midfield, and it's. I think that's been the sign for Liverpool with Trent and and, and Trent and and Curtis giving us energy. So I think it's energized a little bit to a certain extent. To um, Fabinho, I thought that Henderson struggled a little bit last night. I thought. I think uh, we'll talk about Henderson later. But overall, I think the goal coming back the equaliser. And then we had a couple of chances. Jota, I thought we should have finished. And then you know, like second half, it was more or less, more or less the same. We've seen it through. They, they could, they on another day, they could have been given a penalty. I'd have been gutted if it had been down our end. And, and I think I understand that that Thiago fell, but overall, I think it was a, a good win, well deserved. I thought Matip played really well. Joe, he deserved his goal. 
overall he played really well. Pete, what was your view on the game last night? Yeah, similar to Tom. I mean, he did not start off slow, but he started off a lot of possession without really hurting West Ham. And it, it was probably against the run of play when Piquetta scored. And it was just it was just the manner of the goal, really. You know, we didn't get a tackle in from like inside their own half to the 18-yard box. And then he I thought it took a deflection the way the ball went. I thought I thought if it hadn't got a deflection, Ali they got it, but it, it, it turned out it wasn't. He just did it with such venom. But um, you know, it was it, it was good, like Tom said, that we we weren't behind for too long. We were only behind for six minutes. And it, it shows what Cody Gakko can do because he, he just more or less he's single-minded when he when he gets the ball in those areas between the lines. He doesn't look to move it on so much. He carries it. And then maybe the shot that he did at the end sort of fucks the goalkeeper because it didn't have, it wasn't as uh, as vicious as we thought it was going to be. And it sort of skimmed a bit, but right in the bottom corner. And then we sort of control the game from there on. They had little patches, um, you know, throughout the match, which you'd expect when you're playing away anywhere, to be honest. And, you know, West Ham, I think they were playing with a bit more freedom because I know mathematically they probably need another couple of points, but to all intents, they're probably safe now. And um, so you're always going to come up against, you know, chances. And we got we got a little bit lucky, like Tom says, with the um, with the Bowen offside. It was marginal. It was offside, but it was marginal. Well, depending on where the camera angles are these days, but he was offside. I shouted offside as soon as I saw it, to be honest. Um, and yet the handball could well have gone against us. It could have gone either way. I said to our Jack after this that that was like a, an umpire's on-field decision in the cricket. If they'd have given the penalty, they wouldn't have overturned it. And he didn't give the penalty and he didn't overturn it. He just went with the on-field decision, really. Uh, so it could have gone either way. And, and like Tom said, if it had happened to us at the other end, I'd have been screaming for a penalty. I was made up with Matthew's uh, performance last night. I thought... As well as Trent played and as well as Cody and, and Curtis played, I'd give Matic man of the match, not only for his goal, but the fact that he's come into the team after not starting for a while. And apart from one chance, I think Antonio missed out just on the far post when Virgil nipped in front of him. Um, I can't remember Antonio causing, and I was really worried about him. I can't remember him causing us too much trouble. And I think that's a testament to the way he played. Um, so all in all, yeah, as I say, we could have got more. Jossa skied, well, not skied one, but he put one over the bar. And even even Robbo nearly scored with a cross that nearly went in rather than, you know, find the man at the far post. But for, for long periods, we were in total control of the game. And just for little sporadic forays uh, into our, our area and stuff, they didn't really show a lot, West Ham. And... I think it was a fair result in the end. As I say, we could have we could have come away with a point at the penalty been given, but I think all in all, um, we deserved it. And and like uh, Tom said, Trent was outstanding first half. He faded a wee bit second half as he did in the Forest game, but he was outstanding first half, and he got an assist as well for um, for what's the name for Cody's goal. So both fullbacks again weighing in with assists. So long may it continue, mate. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. I thought it was a really good performance. Like Tom said, what pleased me was that we started the game well. I thought that the passing was much quicker and the tempo was much quicker than it was against Leeds in the first 
you know, 30 minutes against Leeds, everything was a little bit slow. And even against, um, you know, Forest on Saturday, I thought the tempo could have been quicker. We were moving the ball too slow, which was giving them a chance to get back. But last night, I thought the tempo was a lot quicker. The passing was a lot sharper. And as you both have said, I thought Trent was outstanding in the first half. I totally agree, agree about Joel Matip. I think that that was probably his best performance of the season. I think you know, Joel had been unusually suspect, let us say, and not at his usual standards in the early part of the season because I think he's been one of the most underrated centre-backs in the Premier League over the past few seasons. I know he has his injury problems, but when he's been fit, and especially that season where you know, we won the league, I actually thought he was outstanding. And again, you know, when we went on to win the Champions League, I thought, again, he was outstanding in that season. He's been a quality centre-back. And if this is to be his last season at the club, he'll be one that I'll be sad to see go, but we'll understand the reason why now the club think the time is right to move him on. Again, I thought Curtis Jones was, was better than he had been. Still like him to do that little bit extra going forward and take that that little bit of a risk to get a shot on goal. But he was trying to get in the positions this time, you know, to to to, to create chances and, and have attempts on goal. But I thought he kept the ball really well. And when he did lose the ball, I thought he showed a great attitude and getting the ball back quite quickly after he'd left lost it. Um Cody Gakpo was very, very good again. Um I think at the minute in that false nine, he seems to do better away from home than he does at home in that position. Um, but I've no doubt that over the next few seasons, he'll get better and better and better in that position. Um, great goal he scored. Um, right in the corner, keeper didn't didn't have a chance. And like you said, Jota should have scored a couple of goals. He, the header that just went wide, the one he, he volleyed and just went over the top. You thought they were they were probably eight out of ten chances that he should have he should have scored and hit the target with. Second half, you know, we come out and we were in control for until the last ten minutes of the game, and Joel scored a fantastic header that the topped off his performance really. Um, you know, great ball in from Rubble. We'd nearly scored from the from the previous corner. There was a bit of a scramble. And it went out for a second one. And this time, there was no stopping that header from Joel. And then I just thought in the last 10 minutes, I thought we got a little bit sloppy. Um, we let them back in the game a little bit. You know, they had that little bit of a shout for, for handball. And it was handball, but I don't think it was a penalty because Thiago was falling. There was nothing he could do and that the ball came off his body. Um, so, no, I didn't think it was a penalty. Yeah, I would have appealed for it had it been at the other end, but you do appeal for anything. But I don't think it was a penalty. Um, and all in all, you know, we come out with a well-deserved victory. And as I say, another pleasing point really was, as you both said, was that, you know, we, we went behind and this time we showed the, a good attitude to get back in the game. When previously away from home and we'd gone behind, you didn't feel as though you were getting back in the game and it was more likely to go 2-0 to the opposition than one all. So we got that back. 
thoroughly deserved to go ahead. And I think come the final whistle, I thought we totally deserved, you know, the three points. And, you know, now we take that good run into three home games on the bounce. So, you know, let's hope the, um, the you know, the confidence carries on. They can, they can bring us another good performance against Tottenham and then take that into the game against Fulham in midweek. So, all in all, very pleased with the performance. Um, but there was a couple of players that I'd like to ask you what you thought about the performances. Um, Pete, I'll come to you first on this one. What did you think of Jordan Henderson's performance last night? Um, I don't think it was an outstanding performance. He, um, he, if anything, you sometimes it's not just not just him, but he's sort of guilty of slowing the play down, and you want to keep. You know, you were talking about the quicker we move the ball, the better we are. And there's there's quite a few occasions when Jordan gets the ball, and he you just want him to move the ball on quicker, and he a bit like. We've aimed at Curtis Jones in recent discussions. He, he he likes to keep it safe. I mean, you look at our possession stats, and sometimes we in halves we've got eighty odd eighty odd percent possession, but we're not really hurting the opposition with telling passes. You know, um, I don't think he had a bad game, but I don't think he was he was outstanding last night. I don't think he. Um, I think he could have been better on the offensive side of his play. I think that's what I'm trying to say at the, the back of it. I think he could have looked up and look forward a bit more but it certainly wasn't the worst game I've seen Jordan Anderson play but it wasn't one of his best ones either Tom what did you reckon? I didn't think he played well at all Les. I just I, do you know what earlier on when we were having this discussion earlier in the in, in the pods a few couple of pods back we were talking about who would you let go and I think all of us were saying like Anderson Fabinho would be the one you, you think will go I think it. I'm, I'm reassessing that now. I think it might be Henderson that that goes because I, I think he seems to. Have, I think, do you know what? His better days have definitely gone. You know, like I think overall, I don't think he, he has the energy what he once did. And at thirty, he's thirty three now, isn't he? He's coming up to thirty three very soon. I think you're coming into another season next year. So I'm not. I'm not so sure, but I. I I think I'd keep Fabinho now because he seems a little bit more energised with, with 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 the younger legs in the midfield with Curtis and Trent. So I'm wondering now whether he would be a player that that we'll keep, and um, and it's Henderson we let go. But I I'd be sorry to see it. I really would be sorry to see him go. But I, I think there comes a time when a player reaches it, you know, a certain a certain point in his career. And I think he's close to that. You know, he gives possession away with, you know, like his long passing's not as great as it once was. I think overall, I, I, I just, I didn't think he think, but I didn't think he played that well, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Tom more than I agree with Pete on this one. That I thought Henderson was terrible last night. I thought his final pass was awful. He got in some really good positions going forward but never really done anything with the ball. And this, this, by the way, comes from somebody who really admires Jordan Henderson, not just as a player, but also as a leader. And, you know, there was a couple of times in the in the game that he really disappointed me. The first one was when they scored the first goal and he had 
a couple of attempts to try and get close to the guy who was running up the wing with the ball and cut across. And he got nowhere near him. And then as the fella cut across, he went past Fabinho as though he wasn't there. You know, it, to me, it was a poor attempt at a challenge by Fabinho as well. And then, you know, Pakatet, you know, took his goal really well. It was a it was a good finish, a good shot from the from the edge of the box. Um I thought it had took a deflection, but I think it was the the swerve and the, the, the pace of the ball that beat Ali. And then there was another one in the in the in the same half where I think he was running up the up the line with Antonio and he actually stopped for a for about a few seconds trying to appeal for a foul and just stopped and looked at the referee. And the referee just waved play on and then the uh, he had a he had a run in our defence then and I thought that was particularly poor. And that's not something you'd associate with Hendo either. You know, he's a player who, you know, sometimes, you know, he might not be on his game and his passing might not be at the standard that we expect. But he, you'd never really see him lose out in a battle like that. And I just thought it really summed up his, his night a little bit. And it, it wasn't a surprise to me when early in the second half he was substituted by Jürgen. And, um, and as I say, by Thiago. And and as I say, to me it was a bad night, bad night for Jordan. And it's one that that I think that maybe he'd been overplayed a little bit because it was his you know fourth or fifth game on the on the trot. And as Tom said, you know, he's coming up to thirty three now. So you know, I think it shows as well, you know, the lack of options in midfield, you know, to be you know, that he's having to play all the time. But I, I one thing I do disagree with Tom on. I don't think Hendo will leave at the end of the season because of the not anything to do with how he's played this season or his his ability. But he's on a long term contract. I still think he's still got two years left to go on his contract. And I think with the homegrown rule, you know, you need to keep you know some homegrown players to keep you to keep your squad up because we're going to be losing Ox and there's a possibility we'll be losing Millie and also. You know, big Nat Phillips as well could could go, and even Quiv is who's counted as homegrown. He could also leave the club, so I can't see Henderson leaving in the summer. I also thought Fabinho was better last night, but I still don't think he was anywhere near the standard we've seen of him when he was at his best, and I still doubt that he can get back to that level. And again. Whether Liverpool will sell or keep him this summer might depend on on what offers come in for him from other clubs. And I think if they did get a decent offer for Fabinho from another club, I do think they would they would seriously consider taking it. Um, but I can say I can definitely see Hendo you know, being here next season. Um, we touched on Joel Matter before. Um, what did you think of Mo Salah's performance last night, Pete? I thought he worked hard, but he, he seemed to be whether it's because Trent's coming more into the midfield from that right side. He he seemed to work hard, but he, he just didn't seem to um he didn't get any breaks, did he? He didn't have any I don't know if he even had a shot on target last night. Um and whether that's just a byproduct of as I say, Trent coming more into the midfield. Um 
whereas he'd normally stick to the line and back him up that way. So, it, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I hate the level of the, the say and say that people are poor, poor performances. I just don't think it ran for him last night. And, and what a lot of teams are doing to to um, to Mo uh, is the doubling up on him as well. I mean, he, he, you can never douse his enthusiasm and his work race, but nothing seemed to come off properly for him last night. And um, it was it was just a bit frustrating, really. The I, I think part of that is the fact that when we do win the ball back, we don't break quick enough for him. You know, we don't play it into the channels for him. We're playing it to his feet. And then he, he had Cresswell and then, you know, a, another coming across Zuma or whatever to double up on him. So... I'd never levelled that he had a bad game because of his attitude or whatever. His commitment's always there, but I just don't think we played to his strengths last night. Tom, what do you reckon? Um, very similar to Pete. I would never criticise more. I think he he always gives a hundred. You can never fault his efforts. He's always doubled up on. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Bob what he said about Wits being free moving. He's a little bit, the word I used last night when I was talking to one of my lads, I used the word, yeah, he was a bit isolated last night's Mo. You know, when he was out there, the gap coat started to try and drift towards him now and again, but he was he was more or less sometimes he, he was a little bit. He was starting from deeper, and he, you know, he, there was not many options on for him when he got up there. So he tended to run into a few blind alleys. But oh, he's a player that he, he's a player that gives everything, and he's so dangerous in the game that even even when you think he's having a quiet game, he's still capable of banging, you know, like a goal in out of nothing. So yeah, I. Not one of his greatest games. And I felt a bit harsh saying that having a go at Endo before, you know, all the things I was saying about because, but there comes a time with, with players, isn't there? And I think, I, I, I think we level, you know, like sometimes we level. I think as, as supporters, we, we do this sort of thing because as we have, we, we, as we, what we've seen with Curtis and with RV Elliott and, and you know, like, and I'm going, we're later a little bit later. I will talk about Nunes, but yeah, I just, I just think we, 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 we pick them out, don't we? Because we expect such high standards from them. So, like a drop in their performance might only be a little tiny bit, but you know, it's noticeable, and the fans get on on the on the case a little bit. But I thought I, I would never criticize Les. I'd never criticize more, well, even if he, even even if because he's probably one of the most marked men ever in our side all the time. Gets kicks to bits, hardly ever gets it out. And can say as well, I thought Cavana had a, had a really good game. I'm not a lover of Cavana. Probably as a referee, probably my least favourite. But I thought he played well. I thought he played well last night. So I, I, before, before, before we carry on. Yeah. You're going on about Hendo, but I've said for the last two or three seasons, really, you, you look at him when he's on the ball, but he does a hell of a lot of work off the ball as well. And I think that's what you, one thing you've got to credit Jordan with, is he may, not, he may not be the most technically gifted of players, but he does a lot of harrying round and closing space down and stuff. And I think that's one thing you can say to Jordan about Jordan Henderson is that as I say, he's not technically as gifted as Gerard was with his passing range or anyone like that, but he works his socks off at times. And 
I agree with Les. I remember that incident last night where he, it was not like Jordan to give up on something and just throw his arms in the air, but West Ham had a good chance from that. Um, but generally, it's his off-the-ball work. And people, when you when you say that to people, they think you're demeaning people by saying they're not good footballers. He is a good footballer, but he thinks about what they call the dirty jobs in football as well. You know, he, yeah. he, he does the dirty work as well as, you know, trying to do the, you know, good things as well. But yeah, it wasn't one of his better games last night. But um, yeah, it's just something I always think of. He, he, he luckily, in you know, his last couple of years, he does a lot more work off the ball than on the ball. You know, I think what could just about before you come in, Les, just one little thing of what you saying about Endo. You what you said about Endo there, please. I would never disagree with that. I, th- I think. I think it's it's like with Steve and Jared when he moved into the quarterback position, you know, like when he when Rogers called it a quarterback position when Stevie moved. You can't do them lung bursting runs when you when when you th- when you're 33. It's it, mm. it you know, you could at that at that level, at elite level. And I think he still gives he still gives everything. And for 50, 50, 50 minutes, it's usually good, and it's been a long hard season. And we've had not much in midfield, but I, I agree with you. I, and I sometimes, when, as I said before, I felt a bit harsh criticising him after after I just thought because I don't usually like slagging players. Go on, Les. I just I was just going to say, Tom. There, you know, you mentioned earlier on. You know, you wanted to chat about Nunes, um, and also I thought to throw in Louis Diaz with you as well. So, I mean, I actually thought I'll kick off on this one. I actually thought Diaz did really well again when he come on a sub, and it was good that he got he got this was the longest period of the time he got on the pitch. He looked dangerous when he got the ball. He looked full of running, and you know I thought his substitution was was a real good one if you like. Nunes on the other hand disappointed me when he come on. He couldn't hold the ball up. He kept losing the ball. He was making the wrong choices, and it was a really frustrating. 10 15 minutes from Darwin. I love him to bits, but last night wasn't his finest 15 minutes in the red shirt. So, what did you think, Tom? I thought that was the points I was going to make. I'll bring Peter in as well, you know, to come in if he, if he wants on that one. You know, I, I thought there was one incident which really highlighted for Nunes, and I don't know whether it's his lack of confidence, I don't know if it's, if it's lack of playing time or, or just something. There was a back pass last night. I don't know who made the back pass, but it was a really poor back pass. Mm-hmm. And do you know, he absolutely... One thing you say to him, he's got lightning pace, unbelievable pace. And yet, he was slow to get to it. The keeper got to it before him, which was really disappointing. I just thought, and what you, what you said before... He didn't hold the ball up, but you, you don't know whether it's lack of minutes because he's only coming on and getting... 20, 20 minutes or 22 minutes or 10 minutes. <clears throat> so you don't know if it's, you know, it's, it's, it's match sharpness with, with him. Diaz, I thought, when you, what you were saying before about Diaz, I thought Diaz was fantastic. I thought, uh, considering the injury he's had and what, what he's done and when he's come back, I thought he was great. What I did like, what you said about, about Curtis, he links up well with Curtis. Because he hogs the line, because he's prepared to take a player on, he gives the ball to Curtis and he goes, and then Curtis moves. So I think that that will develop as time goes on. Don't know what anyone else thinks. Hey, what do you reckon? 
he, he came he came on I mean me and my lad call him Captain Chaos I think after half of us do and usually he comes on and, and he does cause chaos at the back but he didn't last night it was like you said I think the first couple of involvements he had he wasn't strong enough on the ball and he lost possession quite easy but I raised uh, well it was more than an eyebrow raise when that back pass went and I thought he was just going to nick it and put it past the keeper and he seemed to be flat-footed on that one. So whether he's even sulking a bit because he's not getting a start, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's getting a bit moody or something. I know <clears throat> I know Jürgen's mentioned that he'd like him to speak English as quickly as possible and stuff, and whether he thinks he's having the finger pointed at him. But I mean, all in all, he's he's had a good he's had a really good season for us. But we've got that we've got that many attackers now, especially with Diaz coming back fit and that, that you can only fit three into five places, you know. So someone's got to suffer. Um, I thought maybe last night we may have just ch- changed it around a little bit prior to kickoff. I thought we might have made a couple more changes rather than just one enforced one. But um, yeah, he, he just he just didn't seem to get to the the pace of the game when he came on. He was sort of running round, and as I say, his first touch let him down on more than one occasion. And um, normally his pace gets him out of that, and even even last night that didn't help him. So. He's just got to get out of this little rut that he's in. If he's if he is sulking or he, whatever, he's just got to get out of it. And when he does come on or even start on Sunday, he's got to you know show us what he's made of again, sort of thing. Yeah, good points there, Pete, and you, Tom. So we'll now move on and have a little bit of fun with the uh, with the end of the season fast approaching and the transfer window due to open in June and Liverpool reportedly going to be having. A busy summer, both ins and outs. I just wondered, I'm going to ask you lads for for two names. One player who you think is, in your opinion, is nailed on to sign for us this summer. And another name who you think would be your, your dream signing. And, you know, we're not going to mention Jude Bellingham in that because we know we'd all love him. Just somebody else who realistically you think you know, if, if we could get him through the door, he would be your dream signing of the summer. So we'll start with you, Tom. So come on, give us, first of all, give us the name on one who you think would be, is, in your opinion, is pretty nailed on to come this summer. I think the one that's nailed on to come, uh, I think there's two less, but I think I'm, the one I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for um, Glavenbach. And I think the reason why I, I like Glavenbach because he... He's Dutch. He's 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 from he's he's worked in the same sort of environments as Cody Gapke, Gapko, and I think I think he's the same sort of player. He's big. He's strong. He's quick, and I think under 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 Linders, and I think under um, Jürgen, I think he'll thrive at Liverpool Football Club in the position that they bring him in in as. I think he will be a revelation for Liverpool. Player I wanted is the player that I wanted straight from, I'm not going to say Bellingham, although he is the player that I want, but the player I want really is McAllister because I think that lad has got everything, literally everything, and I think he would be perfect for Liverpool. Pete, who's your... One in your opinion who's nailed on to come, and and then secondly, who would be in your opinion 
a player who's obtainable and would be your dream signing of the of the summer. First of all, I don't think there's anyone nailed on. I, I don't think I don't believe anyone's nailed on. So you see them holding the scarf up at Kirby. But I'm looking I'm looking at our centre back position. You know, with like you say, with um, maybe Nat Phillips moving on, he, he might move on for first team football. Then you've got obviously Virgil and Joel and Joel may even mean and, and that leaves you with Canarsi really and Joe Gomez. So I know there's been whispers about this kid, this other Dutch kid, funnily enough, uh, Timber. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm saying Timber. And he's a young lad, he's 21 at Ajax. And he's a centre-back, but he can also... The, the key reason I'm saying him is he can also play at right-back. And I think he'd be a better right-back than Joe Gomez. I like Joe Gomez at centre-back, but I don't particularly like him when he's exposed at right-back. So this this guy, this Timber guy... um. I think he'd be a good addition to the squad because he can cover, you know, centre back plus right back, and that may work with the um, with the way that they play in Trent, um, you know, in the later part, latter part of this season. So I think he'd be one I'd look at. He's a, he's a young kid, as I say, twenty one, and a bit like Tom mentioned about um, Gravenbach, he's he's a Dutch kid, and he might he'd probably thrive under under um, Jürgen and the coaching staff that we've currently got, you know. So who would be your your dream sign? And then the one player that you think is obtainable that Liverpool possibly have been linked with or might not have been, but you think that you know if he come in, it would make you sort of particularly excited and 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 sort of happy with the signing. He's not. He's not a the, the lad I'd like. He's not an offensive player. But I watched the semi final on Sunday, and I thought that Caicedo guy. Had, Brighton was he, he covered every blade of grass. He was putting fires out left, right, and centre, and he was he had the energy and he was going through extra time. He's such a fit lad, and as I say, I think we all know that midfield's a department we think needs strengthening. And I'd like to I'd like to see him. I'd be happy to get him to be honest. Yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit like uh, like Tom. I think that of all the of all the players we've been linked with, the one that seems to be the closest. To being to being done, I would say would be Ryan Gravenbach. Not that I've actually heard anything more than than anybody else, but I just think that he seems to be surplus to requirements of Bayern. I think Bayern have come out and said he's not for sale, basically to to try and get a couple more million on the on the transfer fee rather than coming out and saying, oh yeah, yo yeah, we are going to look listen to offers at the end of the season when they might lose a few million quid. So. I think Bayern know that they're going to be losing him at the end of the season. I think Gravenbach isn't happy there. I think he's looking to move. And I think that that is one that, that I think is closer than any of the others. My my dream signing, I have to say, I have to agree with Pete, would be Conceito from Brighton. Again, I've not just watched him on Saturday. I've watched him in a few games this season. And I think he's got everything you need from a midfield player and everything that, that Liverpool need and would improve Liverpool. He's a player who could play in the six or in, in either the eights. And I just think if he come in, he would give Liverpool so many different options within the midfield that you know, I think he'd be the one that would get me really excited if I, you know, I turned on Twitter one day and Juicy had tweeted that Liverpool you know, were close to 
uh, getting getting Concedo. I just think that'd be a magnificent signing. Having said that, I don't think that um, that it will happen. But I'm keeping me me sort of fingers crossed that just maybe maybe that, that you know he will be the one that they go to um, in the summer. Um, so we shall see. It's it's certainly going to be an interesting summer, both on the the players coming in and players going out. And I think, you know, once the, the signings start to come in, I think we'll all be looking forward to, you know, to pre-season and watching some of the pre-season games to actually see how these players sort of start to fit in to the new system, how they're settling in and what they're going to bring to to Jürgen's new Liverpool. Um, so so we go we go on now and we look forward to, to the game against Tottenham. Um, so again, I'm going to start. You know, we're not we're never very good at trying to second guess Jurgen, but I'll start with you, Pete, on this one and ask you, um, you know, what what do you think the team will be on on Sunday? And I know we sort of um, we, we we never get this right, but surely we're going to get close one of these weeks. So, what do you reckon then, Pete? I think we were only about one off last night, weren't we? And it was was that an enforced uh, because of Canarsi, we may have, I, I think we all said, or a couple of us said, he might have rested cases. But, um, yeah, that's what I mean. I wonder if Sunday might just be the game where he says to, to Nunes, you, you start this, and he leaves um, Josser on the bench. Um, looking against the midfield, maybe give Thiago a start rather than bring him off the bench. Uh, he probably, I'd probably still like to see Kersis playing because he has been, he has been getting better each game. I'd like to see Kersis start, and then at the back, it's whether Canarsi's fit. I don't think it was a bad injury last night. I think what, um, what Jürgen said, it was more like a rest for for, for him because he he needed just a, an extra day's rest after the last game. So as well as as well as um, Joel played last night, I'm just wondering if if. Um, Ibu might come into the into the starting lineup. He'll obviously, I would think, keep both fullbacks as they are, and an alley in goal. And it's just a case of um, midfield whether if he does bring in Thiago, whether it's Henderson or Fabinho to, to dip out. Probably Hendo, I would think, would be on the bench. And then I'd bring, I'd say I'd bring, but I'm thinking possibly Nunes in for Jota. Still, still put Diaz on the bench and maybe give him a bit longer than he's been getting. Give him a good half hour or so, you know. Tom, what do you reckon? Do you agree with Pete, or do you think there might be any other changes in the pipeline? You know, to, to freshen things up. I don't think there'll be many changes, lads. I think he, he, he'll stick with what he's doing at the moment. It seems to be working, doesn't it? We're, we're winning and we're getting over the line. So. I, I think he might stick with it. I think he might change. I think he might change Jordan Anderson and bring in Thiago because Thiago needs games as well, doesn't he? So I, th- I think he, Thiago might start. I think Fabinho will start, and I think probably Curtis will start. We, you, you, you don't know. It depends how the how the um, how the how they play in practice in the training, doesn't he? He looks at how the players are in training. I think I, not often I did. I, I mostly, most of the time, agree with Pete, and I think, but I, I don't think Nunes will start. I, I think he'll stay with 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 Jota up front because he works. I think he presses harder, and I think against Spurs, 
even though Spurs are, are, are all over the place, when they play Liverpool, they're not all over the place. They're always focused when they play Liverpool. So I expect a, a Spurs side to come down here and someone like Son to be running into them spaces where Trent is, you know, leaves vacated. So I think, I think if if, if Canate is fit, I think he'll play Canate in place of Joel. Although I thought Joel was brilliant, but um, I, I think Canate covers the full-back position a bit better. So I think he'd probably go with Canate. But I don't expect too many changes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Canate will come back in if he's fit instead of Joel Matip. And he also agreed that um, Thiago could start in, instead of Jordan Henderson. And I think the rest of the team, in my opinion, then will be unchanged. I think Darwin didn't do himself any justice um, last night when he came on. I thought Jota still got in the position to score a couple of goals. I thought he should have scored, but at least he was he was in the position there to have the chances. And he does work hard. So I, I, I think Jota will keep his place. Um, and I also think that, that Nunes will have to settle for a place on the bench. I mean, I know Tottenham are playing, you know, tonight as we're recording this. Um, and I just wonder what you think they their reaction will be. You know, the... You know, the he sat there, caretaker manager after last week's humiliation against Newcastle. So, do you think that that they will they will sort of bounce back? Do you think it's a good time to play them, or do you think it's a it's a sort of bad time to play them, Tom? I didn't realise they were playing tonight. I've just looked turned it on now. It's they're playing Man United, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I forgot that. all about that. But um, do you know? Um, oh. I've just noticed the score there, which I'm not going to say out loud. I think Newcastle have just scored. Um, um, but that's through me every so slightly. But go on. Um, yeah, I think Tottenham will be, I think they'll be up for it against, uh, against Liverpool. But I think it's a, you'd look at them and they're all over the place. I don't know, Les, even when they're bad, they play well against us, don't they? They come here and, and, and they turn. I don't know what they do. Liverpool brings out the brings out the best of them all the time. So unless, you know, like he rests a few for for, for the game against for for the game against us, or whether he plays them and he rests a few against us, I don't know. But I expect us to beat Tottenham. I'll be shocked if we don't beat them, to be honest. Yeah, what do you reckon, Pete? Do you reckon that it's a good time to play Tottenham, or do you think that you know after the after the humiliation at, at Newcastle last week, that like you know they'll be looking to to get a reaction, you know, to to give the fans a boost. They've also got Ryan Mason now in charge, so do you think they might sort of play a little bit more for him, or do you actually think that maybe their squad is a little bit? Limited now, so there's there's not a lot they can do, especially sort of midfield and defensive wise. Yeah, I think to be honest, if 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 you're a Tottenham fan, you're looking for a reaction tonight because you've got United in town, and regardless of where United are, the you know they're, they're always the team everyone wants to be, aren't they? So it depends on tonight. I mean, if you get a bad bad result tonight against United, um. You wonder, is it going to be the old wounded animal syndrome or are they, are they literally just going to capitulate and 
want the end of the season to come, you know, as quickly as possible. Um, I wouldn't say that a, a club, well, you don't know what goes on off the field, do you? But I wouldn't say they're in crisis. But, you know, they're, they're not as bad as some other teams we could mention at the bottom of the league who, who are having a bad time. Um, but it, it's going to be a big... Like Tom says, they always show up at our place. And even sometimes when we've given them a, a bit of a... By the end of the game, we've given them a, a couple of goal hiding. They, they always show up. And you've got you've got people like Harry Kane and Son, as he mentioned, who always always are dangerous on the break. So, yeah, I think tonight's going to be a big thing for Tottenham. As I say, if if we can get a result at home, um, I think it'd be buoyant. If they get another reverse, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the whole thing will fall in on itself, and it's going to be a big summer for Spurs as well because you're going to. You're going to have people like Son and Harry Kane possibly um, looking, you know, for passages new. If it's if it's as poisonous as they're making out some of these journos saying off the field, um, I don't know. I don't know, but I think it would be a good game Sunday. They've got they've got to have a go. I mean, I felt sorry for them Spurs fans that made that trip to Newcastle on, on Sunday because I I didn't actually see the first half. I was out. I'm going to put the radio on. Chris Waddle was commentating and he said, oh, the Spurs fans leaving the ground. And I thought, oh, it must have been an early kickoff. And it was 20 minutes in. And he was saying, they're already leaving the ground. And, you know, I know we've all been to games where we've we've had a bit... I mean, I went to City the other week and we got beat there. But 20 minutes in, you don't expect that. And I watched the second half and it could have been a cricket score, to be honest. I think Newcastle just took the foot off the gas. So, yeah, I still expect a good game against Spurs. but. Um, Let's see what happens tonight. And they're funny what... side, Peter, haven't they? Yeah. Spurs. yeah. They, they, they're, an, they're an odd side. Do you know what? On paper, on paper, you look at the players they've got. They should, be, you know, like they should be much better than what they are. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're the strangest football team. I, I, I love that fella. You know the Benacol. Is it Benacol? Yeah, he's injured, yeah, isn't yeah. he? Is he? Is he injured, lad? Yeah, he's out for the season, isn't he? They've got real problems in midfield, Tom. They've only really got Ollie Skip and um, and and what you call it, and Hoiberg in midfield. Just as we speak, they've gone one down, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so, so they've, they've got issues in midfield, which is, um, which is why I think they've been struggling. So, like, they've Tottenham have started with Richarlison, Son and Kane up front. So they've tried the, the trying to be a bit more offensive, I think, tonight to obviously put pressure on on Man United. And obviously now after after seven minutes the one down. So so far it doesn't look as if they're working and the and the the confidence seems to still be a little bit fragile. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that game ends up tonight and then how he shuffles the pack or if he goes unchanged because he hadn't really got a lot of options, especially in the midfield and the defence. And, you know, a few of their defenders, I mean, that Sanchez was booed off in the last home game against against Bournemouth, I think it was, when he was brought mm-hmm. on a sub and then taken off. Langley has struggled. The, the lad they've got on loan from Barcelona, the French defender, he's struggled. So last season when they come to Anfield, which was ultimately 
you know, the game that really, you know, if we'd have won that, we'd have ended up winning the league. You know, they were in good form at that time. They were going for for the fourth place in the Champions League, which they eventually got. They'd, they'd won at Manchester City a few weeks earlier. So their confidence was really high. You know, Conte was still getting the, the bounce out of them. But everything just seems to have fallen apart this season. They're a team that, that look as though they're lacking, they're lacking in confidence and belief, not only in themselves, but in each other. And Harry Kane, you know, like him or loathe him, you know, he can get give him a chance and, you know, he, he's more than likely finishes. So you, you've still got to keep, you know, a watchful eye on him um, and Son as well. But the rest of the side, I think they, they struggle and, and Lloris has had a terrible season and they've got that Fraser Forster in goal tonight. So I don't know whether... Yo, Lloris is injured. Yeah, he's got or, an injury, lad. Yeah, oh, got a, a muscle injury, yeah. yeah do you think he'll go, Les? Do you think Uta? he'll go? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because because you, on one hand, you think, well, he's only got he's only got a year to go on his contract after this season. So what do Tottenham do? Do they cash in now or do they let him go as a free agent? From Harry Kane's point of view, does he, he sort of think, well, I'm going to sit tight here so that at the end of, I can do one more season at Tottenham and then at the end of the season, I can choose where I can, I want to go and Tottenham can't stop me. So I can have to pick any team in Europe that comes in for me, whether that be a Premier League side or the top European side. I can do, go there and negotiate my own deal. And the other thing is, how much would Tottenham get for Harry Kane with a year left on his contract? And they need so much rebuilding doing in that team that that money wouldn't go very far and it wouldn't be a great start for the new manager to try and you know, get, get a replacement for Harry Kane and start to try and rebuild some of the other areas of the side that, that needs, to be, needs to be rebuilt. So it's a really interesting one. If you ask me, on a flip of a coin, which what what I think will happen, I don't think Harry Kane will go at the end of the season, because I think Daniel Levy won't let him go, and I think Harry, unless unless a real team where he wants to go to comes in for him, I think he'll sit on his contract and um, and run it down so he can then decide at the end of the the twenty three twenty four season where he actually wants to go for the. For the final, I think depending uh, on I think depending on which journalist you read or, or the, the rumours, Bayern Munich are big on him, but he, he wants to stay in the Premier League apparently. And I don't know how old is he now, Les? Twenty nine. He's twenty nine. Yeah, he's yeah. thirty next month, isn't he, Les? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going on thirty. I, I I doubt I doubt very much City will try and get him again now that they've got. Uh, the long-haired lover from Dortmund playing for them. So, I doubt they'll go in for him. Um, United, Mike P. Yeah, United, Mike. United, Mike, because I can't see Wenkhorst staying. He, I think he'll be he'll be shipped out. He's only on loan anyway. And they might, they might try and um, they might try and cash in on, on Sancho, who's not really, although he scored tonight, I think. I don't think he's played much Sancho. So, United might go in for Harry Kane. He might try and make a statement that way. Um Alternatively, he could just be one of these lads who are a bit like Matt Lethizia. He's he's quite happy to stay his, for his whole career at the one club. 
and yeah. not winning and not win anything, you know, whilst doing it. But at the end, it's like Les said, it's, it's the pay the player power, and he'll 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 sit down with his family and his advisors, and they'll say you can go with X Y Z or you can stay you know stay your course. So it'll be interesting. It's, it's going to be a, a a big summer, I think. Um, not just for Liverpool, but for other clubs as well. You know, I think we were talking the other night. You know, a Chelsea, Chelsea can have a a bit of a a bit of a fire sale in the summer because they've got so many players on the books and yeah, they guaranteed got... not to get European football, so they're going to have to try and balance the books somehow if they yeah, want to do it properly. You know, they've got to sell players, haven't they, by the thirty yeah. of June? Otherwise, they'll fall foul of a financial fair play. Yeah. Um, so that's why Liverpool are open to get Mason Mount for less mm-hmm. than the. The seventy million that has been quoted yeah. in the in the I mean, best. Seventy million seems an astronomical amount for someone who's only got a twelve uh, twelve months on a contract. Really, he's got to get quite a lot of money as well, has not he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some fair play. It's not like it, I don't think it's like you just sell one player or or two no. players. You're all right. I think it's going to be. They're going to have to sell about about five or six, aren't they? Yeah, but don't forget they've got that and cuckoo coming in. As well in the mm. summer from, yeah. from Leipzig, yo, that's agreed for seventy million quid. Lukaku's coming back from Inter Milan. You know what I mean? Then there's other players who are out on loan, like Hudson Odoi. He's out on loan, and then you know they've got the likes of Loftus Cheek, who's now you know not in favour. Um, so yeah, they, they've got so many players, <laughs> and I was reading somewhere as well that you know some players are getting having to get changed in the corridor because there's not enough room in the dressing room. So the whole thing there seems a complete and utter mess. But mm-hmm. just going back to what Pete was saying about Harry Kane, you know, if Harry Kane did decide to stay at Tottenham for the rest of his career, I don't think it's something to, to beat him with a stick with because I, I'd admire him for doing that because he'd be staying at the club he loves. And, you know, considering the amount of goals he scored, and don't get me wrong, I think he's a really, really good player, but he's not one a, a player that I like very much because of the way he plays the game, if you like. He can be a bit of a sneak. Um, and I don't like those type of players when they don't play for our team, if you see I'm what I mean. I'm gonna say, I bet you like Louis Suarez, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I was just gonna say when they play when they play for you, he's our sneak, isn't he? When he yeah, plays yeah. for somebody else, you know, you, you you don't really like them too much. And as I say, you know, I admire Harry Kane as a footballer and as, as a striker. So for him to, to, you know, to decide to stay at Tottenham for the rest of his career, I'd, I'd sort of give him a, a thumbs up for that and say, you know, well done. You know, maybe he missed the boat on going to Manchester City, you know, a couple of seasons ago when they had the opportunity or he thought he had the opportunity and Daniel Levy wouldn't sell him. But if he does decide to stay, you know, kudos to him so to speak right uh, now the time of the show where we all look forward to it's Pete's <laughs> double agents thanks Les yes yeah, so um, obviously Spurs coming up on Sunday so had a little troll through the history books and stuff um, there's actually a couple of players who keep coming up we, we mentioned them at West Ham and also one of them at Nottingham Forest um, Robbie Keane Obviously, we got him from Spurs and it didn't work out. He only played about 20-odd games for Liverpool and then he went back to Tottenham, so he had two spells there. But looking down the list, um, 
Christian Zieger, he was another signing that we got, and I thought he's going to be, you know, ex Bayern Munich and stuff, and I thought he was going to be really good for us, but it, it just didn't seem to work out for Christian. <clears throat> Ronnie Rosenthal, what a, what a man he was. Everyone, every away fan remembers him for hitting the bar at Villett after him six yards. I like to remember him for the hat trick he scored at Sellers Park against Charlton Athletic. And he also got a derby winner, I believe, as well. I think he did score in the cop end one year. Last um, minute, Last sorry, minute. Yeah. It was the last yeah. minute. Yeah. Obviously, there's Crouchy, who, uh, you know, we'll probably come across Peter Crouch again when we do double agents because he's had a few clubs. One of the players I, I loved at Liverpool, but he didn't get he didn't get as many appearances because, appearances because there was a certain Mr. Dalgleish knocking around at the time. But Paul Walsh, I love Paul Walsh. As a oh, player. Paul Walsh. Yeah, great he was a player. great player. And then you've got Danny Murphy, who didn't play that much. He played two for, 249 for us, but he only played 29 games for Spurs. Um, Jamie Redknapp, who only played just under 50 games. The other name I was going to mention who keeps coming up like a bad penny is Paul Koncheski. He actually played 12 times as well. He seems to have done the rounds, Paul Koncheski. Um, but there's two players in there. I mean, there's a couple of others, Neil Ruddock and Paul Stewart. It didn't work out for him at Liverpool, unfortunately. But there's two players on the list and the two of my all-time favourite players. Oh, um, yeah. One of them... We would never get bullied with this fella in the team. He only played once for Tottenham as a kid, and then he moved on. Graham Sooners, absolutely yeah. love Graham Sooners. And then the other player, the abiding memory I've got of this guy is when he came back to Liverpool and we won the league 3-1. We beat Spurs 3-1 and Hoddle scored. But you, you've got that thing that Match of the Day show from time to time where he's approaching the cop and there's like 20,000 pairs of hands clapping Ray Clements, and what a player he was. Love Ray Clements. Uh, and another goalkeeper, just to sign off, another goalkeeper who played for both sides was Brad Friedel, who only, because of uh, other other goalkeepers ahead of him, and he played 25 times for us, but um, I think he got 50 games under his belt for Tottenham. But as I say, there's a couple of my all-time favourites there, and I don't know. Pete, didn't John Scales play for Liverpool and Tottenham as well? Yeah, John Scales is on my list. I haven't gone through everyone. John Scales is on my list. He he only played 33 times for Tottenham. Um, but he, he got 60-odd games in for us. Um, and I think we've mentioned everyone, to be honest. Uh, as I say, there's, there's been a, there was a couple. I remember Ruddick playing for us, and he came, I think, when Suey wanted to turn us into the Bash Street kids. He got, he got Julian Dix and he got Ruddock and people like that, and he wanted us toughened up. Um, I mean, the, the memory of Ruddock, apart from the play acting and messing about with Cantona, was the header he scored against United. And he when, when he got the equaliser in that classic 3 3 game. And uh, I believe. The old Peter Beardsley tackle, Peter. Sorry. The old Peter Beardsley tackle, where he <laughs> broke, broke his leg. Uh, yeah, well. The good and the bad side, but he, yeah, yeah, but um, I'll raise it. yeah, raise it, brother. But now, I have to say, there, Pete, that you mentioned Clem coming back then, and I have to say that you know, in all the time, and I don't, you lads will probably agree with this. You know, we've had some great players who've left Liverpool and come back, but there has to be the greatest ovation for any player coming back to Anfield 
after you know on his first time back. And when you when you take in into account as well the situation of the game at half time, it was a game where Liverpool needed to win to win the league. Yeah. And you know, we were one nil down at half time. Glenn Hodler scored a, a cracking goal cop end. And Clem's coming down to the cop end, you know, looking to keep a clean sheet to stop us winning the league. And he got an ovation that every time I see it now, you know, still gives me, you know, goosebumps and a lump yeah. in my throat. And, and Clem openly said in an interview that he um, that, that really sort of put him off. And before he knew where we were, Liverpool were 3-1 three, three up. And, yeah. you know, we're heading for yet another league title. And yet he... And also remember as well, a few months earlier, Clemmer played against us at Wembley. And again, in another game that had finished where we were one down and finished 3-1. So, yeah, yes, yeah. fantastic goalkeeper, um, great player. And I think rather than sort of mentioning Paul Koncheski's 15 games Liverpool again, <laughs> I think that's a great a great way to, to end the pod on, on um, you know, a... A, a, a great goalkeeper, one of the greatest goalkeepers that this country's ever seen, and one you know who sadly was taken from us way too young. And you know, thank you for everything, Clem. It was a pleasure watching you keep goal for us, you know, in all them games for all those years. And we wouldn't have won half the trophies we did without you as our number one. So on that note, we'll finish to, to tonight's pod. Thanks to. Tom and Pete again for, for the contribution tonight. Thanks to all our, our people who subscribe and listen to the pod. We really appreciate you listening to us. And once again, as I always say, don't buy the sun, justice for the 97, and you'll never walk alone. And we'll be back next week with the pod looking back at the, at the Tottenham game and previewing the Fulham game. So see you all soon.